good morning. How are we doing? Are we doing good? Come on, let's get a, a we're not the church of the chosen frozen. We are alive. Let's try it again. How are we doing? Okay, there we go. I'm from the south. We got to be a little, a little rowdy. I got my mom here for the first time hearing me preach. Come on. We got to get a little rowdy. She's got to feel like she's back home in the south. Well, if we've never met, my name is Samuel Warden. I'm one of the youth pastors here. As you just heard, I co-pastor with my wife, Kirsten. And we've been in this amazing series called God's Voice, Ears to Hear and Hearts to Follow. And I don't know if you're new this morning or maybe you've been here for the entire series, but here we believe that we can hear God's voice not only for ourselves, but for those around us, for our workplaces, um, for our families. We believe that we can hear God's voice and we can release it to those around us. But if you haven't been here, for week one, we had one of our founding, uh, founding pastors, Di Layman. She talked about that we need to have a humble heart and make the choice to hear God's voice. In week two, we heard from Julie, one of our senior pastors, that the Holy Spirit and the scriptures go best together and that we need both of those to hear God's voice. If you were here on week three, Daniel talked about having uh, the desires of our heart, open doors, that God speaks to us through our desires. He places those within us. And then last week, our other founding pastor, Happy Layman, talked about God speaking through us or to us through our pain and that he does not cause our pain, but he promises to carry us through it. And these are amazing ways. If you didn't get a chance to listen or maybe you weren't here, go back, listen to those. They're gonna help you hear God's voice better. But if you're taking notes, my man right here told me I got my notebook ready. If you're taking notes, I want you to entitle this message, God's voice, people, and promptings. God's voice, people, and promptings. You know, in the last few years for myself, I've decided that I'm gonna be obedient when God speaks to me. That no matter the situation, no matter the cost, no matter what it takes, that I'm going to listen to the voice of the Lord. I'm gonna follow the voice of the Lord no matter what is going on around me. And obedience is critical to increase our frequency in which we hear God's voice. And we'll get into that a little bit later. And that some of y'all went like, oh, that kind of hurt a little bit. Like, it, it takes obedience in all of the ways they talked about to hear God's voice clear. But I wanna talk about a way that I think God speaks to us more often than we think and is everywhere, all around us. It's the opportunity to hear God's voice every time you come to church, Every time you get in a group of friends, anytime you do something with people, God's voice is, is speaking. And so let's pray. We're gonna turn our hearts and our affections to Jesus and we're gonna talk about God's voice, people, and prompting. So Holy Spirit, I thank you so much. I love your presence, Lord. I thank you that we are undone and rebuilt in your presence. God, right now, would you just begin to rest on people? in a way they didn't think was possible, in a way they've been asking, Lord, would you come and encounter us? In Jesus' name, amen. I got a couple amens, amen? amen. Guys, we got, 9.15, 11 o'clock's got nothing on us. 9.15, we're the best. That's just what we have to tell ourselves because it's early. Um, but when I say God's voice, people, and promptings, if you're anything like me, I get excited about the prompting side. I get excited about getting words of knowledge, getting prophetic words for people, seeing people healed. I get really excited about that, but when you hear people, eh, like we like people-ish, 
Kinda, we like our families, right? <laughs> They're not problems. Um, but people can often be a root of pain. So when it comes to hearing God's voice through people, we typically filter people through our pain. And we just talked about that last week with happy, but people can be tough. Like getting away from people is like jumping in a pool and hoping to not get wet. Hopefully the pool has water, but like you, you wanna, you're like, I'm not gonna get wet, jump in, you're wet. That's how it is doing life. People are hard to get away from them. And I find that God speaks to me more frequently through my friends and family and community than he does strangers. One of the things that the church world has to kind of just kill is that the guest speaker has the word of the Lord for you. The word of the Lord I ask is from like people within my community who actually will help me walk that word out, who will process what God is speaking in my life and say, how do we get there from point A to point B together? And so I wanna hone in on a certain type of people group that God speaks through to me the most, and I think he speaks to us most often, and that is a people whose lives are centered around Jesus. It's a community of people whose number one common thing is Jesus and Jesus alone. And, and for us to have our lives centered around Jesus, it was only possible through the gospel. It was only possible because Jesus left heaven, came to earth, died, paid the penalty for sin, past, present, and future. He not only died, what we would say for us, he died as us, so now our lives can be centered around him, and then he rose from the dead, and now we can live a life with Jesus. You see, a Jesus-centered community means that we're not looking to the world for identity or anything else, but we're looking to Jesus for everything. This is what I like to tell my six-year-old, it's Jesus, Jesus equals everything, the world equals nothing. A Jesus-centered community will call us into our true identity. Let's open up our Bibles to Acts chapter three. Acts chapter three, verse one through 10. I'm gonna read out of the ESV, and if you don't know what Acts is, this is a book called Acts of the Apostles. This is when Jesus has risen and gone to heaven, and this is the Acts that the, the apostles and disciples did. They lived out the Great Commission, but we're picking up in Acts chapter three, verse one through 10. It says this. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. If you're taking notes, just underline that. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms for those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up, uh, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his ankles and feet were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and he recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. I want us to look at verse one just really quickly again. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. Now when we read our Bibles, we wanna make sure we read things within context because oftentimes we'll read little excerpts from the Bible and it won't make any sense. And so right here with the word now is talking about time. At this time, they're doing this, but what happened beforehand? 
Something happened before for them to get to this place. And so I wanna look at this. Who is Peter and John? Peter and John are two of the 12 disciples that Jesus called to follow him. They left everything that they had, their family, their friends, their jobs, their occupations. They left everything so he was the only center. They leave everything, they follow Jesus. Jesus starts to perform miracles, signs, and wonders. He even lets Peter and John participate. See, these 12 men left everything, both feet in, to follow Jesus. And, and even better than that, Peter, we find out really quickly, and if you've ever read your Bible, he's kind of, let's just say passionate. Peter is a passionate disciple. He's the guy that in, in one of the stories in, in the Gospels, gets a, they see Jesus walking on water, the disciples go, oh, it's a ghost, and Jesus is like, hey, it's me, Jesus, and instead of being like, Jesus, come to our boat, Peter goes, why don't you tell me to walk on the water? Why, why don't you have me get out of the boat, Jesus? And so Jesus is like, all right, come on out. So he starts walking and sinking, and Peter's the audacious guy. He's the guy that cut off someone's ear when Jesus was getting betrayed. Just, and Jesus is like, dude, no. Like, Peter's the guy that is so passionate that says, Jesus, I've said something like this to Jesus before, I will follow you to the ends of the earth. And Jesus is like, you sure about that? <laughs> like, yeah, 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 I'll follow you, Jesus. And then a few days later, he denies Jesus three times. Peter is the audacious disciple. He's that one friend that we all have. Well, you might be this friend, so you can just like look away from your friend group if you're sitting with them. But that one friend that like you pray whatever they're about to say next, you're like, God, please don't let it be anything dumb, please. Like that's Peter. Peter's the guy that makes everyone uncomfortable. We're like, oh wow, this is weird. Uh, why are you saying it that way? Like that's Peter. And then we get a moment where Peter and Jesus share this amazing conversation and Jesus says, who do you say I am? And Peter goes, you are the Christ. The only one that says that, the son of the living God. And he goes, upon this kind of Peter, I'm gonna build my church. I'm gonna use you, Peter. It's like, what? And then you've got John. There's not much to say about John, except he really likes himself sometimes. We all have that one friend that's like, I just feel beautiful, and you're like, you look ratchet. Like, <laughs> that's John, okay? John is the guy that calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved in his own gospel. No one else calls him that, but John calls himself that. John is so conscious of Jesus' love for him that John remains steady and true through the entire story of Jesus being on the planet. John was there when Jesus was crucified. John is the disciple whom Jesus loved and both of these guys get called into from 12 to a close three. Peter, James, and John. They're the three disciples that saw miracles that not all the other disciples got to see. He called them close. And it's so interesting that like there is a, a large group, and a small group, and then an intimate group of people whose lives are centered around Jesus. You see, Jesus died and was buried and resurrected. And in Acts chapter one, we see Jesus give clear instructions on what to do next. He says, hey, don't leave Jerusalem. Go to this upper room. Wait there for my Holy Spirit to be released 
and you will receive power when you preach the gospel. You receive power to do the works of the kingdom. And so these disciples go to this upper room in Jerusalem and wait there. The problem is it just wasn't 12. It became 120 people waiting, waiting on the Holy Spirit to be released so they are filled and empowered to do the work of the kingdom. Why we wait here sometimes on the presence is for him to come so we feel filled and empowered like Julie talked about, the stirring. So they go and they wait, 120 of them, and there's this festival going on, this party, having all these meals and people from all over are coming to Jerusalem, and there they are, resuming the vineyard position, Lord. 120 waiting in the upper room, and finally in Acts chapter two, we see the Holy Spirit released says that the Holy Spirit came and tongues of fire rested on their heads and began to speak in new languages and the people around them heard the story of Jesus and the gospel being preached in their own language. Like if they were speaking in French, a disciple was praying and preaching in French. It was just like the Spirit of the Lord came and gave one language to unify all languages in a moment. And so this is where we see Peter, audacious, foolish, wild, passionate, sounds like Samuel Warden half the time, just reckless a little bit. And he stands up and he's like, I got this, guys. And he starts preaching a message. He preaches this message and 3,000 people come to know Jesus in that moment. This was upon this rock type of Peter. Peter went from a fool for the world to a fool for Christ. But what happened? Why did we have to do that to look at Acts chapter three, verse one? It's because in a Jesus-centered community, God's voice calls you to your true identity. In a Jesus-centered community, God's voice calls you to your true identity, and I wanna be very clear, community is made up of people, which means it is not perfect, so we can center our lives around the perfect one. People can be reckless a little bit, The reason why I keep emphasizing a Jesus-centered community is because we are not trying to get good advice or identity or wisdom from Aunt Susie who doesn't love Jesus. We're not trying to get identity from a boyfriend or a girlfriend who's never treated you like a daughter or son of a king except one of a pauper. We're not trying to get advice from the world who's telling you who you should be every other day. We're trying to get advice and wisdom and hear God's voice through a Jesus-centered community community. See, in a Jesus-centered community, I can get encouraged, corrected, empowered, and convicted into my true identity in one conversation. And what I mean by that is it's telling me that, no, Samuel, you're a son. You made this decision. Sons don't act that way. They act this way. Now go do that. You're empowered to do that. No, no, no. That's not the conviction that the kingdom has. That's the conviction the world has. Like in a Jesus-centered community, my identity is found as a son and a daughter, not who I once was. We don't hear Peter called the fisherman much after Jesus releases the Holy Spirit. He's now an apostle, a disciple, one who released the kingdom. In a Jesus-centered community, it is much better to be in a, a community that is messy and thriving than to be isolated and dying. It's much better to be in a messy, thriving community than one that is isolated and dying. 
The reason being is just because it's messy doesn't mean it can't thrive. But when you're isolated, how do you thrive alone? You need Jesus to be the one that is in the center. For Peter, this community of disciples crafted him from this foolish fisherman to an apostle, to one who preached the gospel, one who released healing to those around him, who followed Jesus, became a fisher of men, just like Jesus said he would. We can assume that there were conversations that happened with Peter, James, and John, all these disciples, that we will never know of. All we can do is see the fruit. All we can do is see the fruit of these, these disciples and know there's things that happen that we, I'm gonna go ask Peter one time when I get to heaven, which would be like 120 years, right? That's really promised in the Bible. Um, I don't even know what 120 would look like if I'm being real, <laughs> like hopefully it's cool. Um, but when I get to heaven, I wanna ask Peter, Peter, what were the marking moments that the Bible didn't have? Like there was one time where Jesus, Peter said something and Jesus grabs Peter and he goes, get behind me, Satan. Jesus say, what? I'd be like, I ain't sitting with this disciple anymore. <laughs> like, There are moments where you have to be convicted and corrected, but it doesn't have to be made public. People should just know your fruit, and that happens in a Jesus-centered community. You see, when people are centered around Jesus, they listen to God's voice and they follow promptings. Those prophetic words you get in small group, those prophetic words you get from when you come up to our ministry team or, or maybe you're looking for one today. Maybe you need something from the Lord and there's people around you that hear his voice. We need to be in a community that follows the promptings of Jesus. You see, sometimes God speaks to others for us, but sometimes he speaks to us for others. This is what we're gonna call promptings. And what is a prompting? A prompting is much like a whisper or a leading from God. It's his voice speaking in a way that will require your full obedience to see the fruit. Oftentimes, promptings aren't flashy. They're typically risky, but it's worth it every time. They are daily interactions, but carry the impact for eternal breakthroughs. This is what a prompting is. And I wanna honestly just break this down before we continue on, that we've gotta stop making promptings just weird in the church. Like, this may rub some people the wrong way, I'm sorry, but like, we've gotta stop making promptings and prophetic words mystical and religious and stop going like, God told me to tell you. Okay, I'll trust that. I'll listen first <laughs> before I say if it was God. We've gotta stop doing things like, well, God told me I was gonna marry you. Like, um, Peter getting rejected, say what? Like, <laughs> I'm sorry? And listen, God speaks to you in your marriage and we have other people speak into your marriage, but if he tells you you're gonna marry someone, hopefully he tells the other person. <laughs> this happened to me and Kirsten in college all the time. This lady came up to me, she's like, God said I was gonna marry you. I was like, the devil is a lie. <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna tell you that much. Like when we give promptings, we have to have Jesus' heart at the center of it, not your own agenda. Promptings come from the heart of the Father. And having a prompting means that we are hearing a whisper or picking up something from the Lord for ourselves or for the people 
around us. And this is what they typically look like. It's a word of knowledge. Something I shouldn't know, but I know that God reveals to me. Or it's a word of encouragement, like telling someone, maybe the waitress or the waiter, like, hey, God sees you and you're doing a wonderful job. Or maybe it's a prophetic word, calling out the gold, the best in someone when they don't see the best in themselves. Or maybe it's a moment where you have faith for the impossible. Maybe your business or maybe uh, the business you work for needs a solution and God downloads it to you. And you follow that whisper and the company prospers. Maybe it's seeing past what is being asked to see what is actually needed. Maybe someone's asking for something but you can see that they need this type of Jesus in their life. We actually have a school here that teaches you how to do this. Every year they're doing it. It's called the School of Kingdom Ministry. Do I have any graduates or anybody that has gone through it? Come on, let's go. We just went through it as a staff because we believe in this school. Like this is how we hear promptings daily. So if you haven't gone through, I would encourage you. That's a little side note. It's very needed, but promptings are just the whispers and the leadings from God. They're mostly gonna be our daily interactions carrying the impact of an eternal breakthrough. Happy told me that an old vineyard saying is if, give expression to your impression. When you feel that impression, do not be quiet. Listen, there's no way to go about like a word of knowledge, trust me, I've tried. There's no way to go about a word of knowledge for someone and not feel slightly weird. Like, hey, do you have a, a white pickup truck? How do you know that? Um, I'm sorry, uh, God told me. Like, <laughs> It's gonna be feel weird, but these are the whispers from God that we have obedience to follow and we call them promptings. So let's look at Acts chapter three really quickly because we see Peter follow a prompting. So we know Peter comes from this Jesus-centered community that they're waiting on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is given and now he can follow and hear a prompting without Jesus having to be alive right there. It's just him and Holy Spirit and John going about their day we're gonna pick up in verse four and it says this. And Peter directed his gaze at him as did John and said, look at us. You see, I love this. This man would not have deserved society's attention or gaze. But Peter and John stop and look at someone who's in desperate need of something. And I wanna just be completely honest with you. Some of us don't hear promptings because we're so caught up in our plans. We have to be willing to put our pause, our plans on pause, to follow a prompting of the Holy Spirit. You see, I actually learned this the hard way. I would like not tell my wife, hi, I'm in the middle of a deliverance, and I'd be like an hour late home, or I'd be in the grocery store, and I'd be praying for someone with healing, and they would, we'd be interceding and he, uh, releasing healing to someone's back or something, and I'm 30 minutes late, so I had to come up with a code word. Just one word, babe, this is it. I'm not gonna tell you, because I don't want you to know. But I tell her this word, and she knows that I just went about my business to go about my father's business. Like, there's, there's a way that we have to just stop our plans. Like, stopping your plans doesn't mean it won't happen. Just put it on pause, go with the Lord's, and then go back to yours. Let's continue with Peter and John. They stopped their plan to follow a prompting. They were headed to this, the temple to pray. This was a normal path that they would have probably taken. This wasn't knew this, seeing people ask for alms wasn't a, a random thing, this was a normal thing. 
See, following promptings doesn't mean we stop for everyone. We just stop when we hear the whisper. We have to just stop when we hear God's voice, not because we can, but because we heard. And so Peter and John stop, and this is what happens in verse five. Their daily interaction leads to this eternal breakthrough. He fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them, but Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Then he took them by the right hand, raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. I don't know about you, but when I read these stories, I'm like, I wanna do that. That would be cool, anybody with me? Like just to grab some, like get up, son, and they just get up and walk, like let's go pray. Like that's the kind of faith I wanna have. I've legit tried raising a couple dead people. Hasn't worked yet, but I also don't know if I'll freak out if it happens. So I'm like kinda in between with that one. Um, but this is like the important part right here. Like we can do that stuff. I have asked the Lord multiple times, do I not see some of that because my obedience isn't consistent? Like if I'm consistently obeying, could I raise a dead person? <laughs> like. Like, here's the kind of the promptings that we probably get. If you're mowing your grass or if you're like my wife, you mow the grass because she doesn't let me do it because she really likes it and I'm not complaining about it. I really enjoy it um, because mowing the grass is boring to me. But, like, maybe you're mowing the grass or doing the dishes or if you're like us, picking up after our kids every 30 seconds and you hear oh, the name Susie pops into your head and you're like, oh, that's a weird thought. Why am I thinking about Susie? You push it aside, you go to grab another toy, and you're like, Susie, well, maybe I should reach out to Susie. No, that's weird. Can I tell you what that would be called? We're gonna, we're gonna learn to say this together. That is a what? Prompting. Or how about this? You're in a restaurant, and you feel like you hear God say, pay for that family's meal. You can pay for mine anytime, but um, <laughs> you ain't gotta have a prompting for that one. <laughs> um, but they say, pay for this person's meal or tip the waiter or waitress more than you should, but all you can think about is your bank account, so you just keep going like, Lord, we'll just, maybe if they come back around and then you realize they're your waiter, so they're gonna come back around again, and you can't get it out of your head, what do you think we call those? Promptings. And I'm gonna give you one last one. This is actually the one that the Lord kind of jacked me up with, so we're gonna make it funny. Um, I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, I wanna see a lot of miracles. I wanna see a lot of signs and wonders because that'll make everyone have to make a decision. Do I believe in a God or do I not? And so I was like, Lord, I really wanna get a word of knowledge for healing for someone. Someone walks past me in a, in a boot. Lord, just a word of knowledge. Next person comes in in a sling. I'm like, Lord, just a word of knowledge about healing. Please, I'm, I'm your servant. Send me, I'll go. Like, what do you think that is? That is a prompting. I like to call those in Samology. This isn't biblical. Um, this isn't anything. I call those words of sight. They're the ones that God uses your actual eyes to see a problem. <laughs> and you're, Lord, I just need a prophetic word for someone. That person's weeping because they just lost someone. Go comfort them. Words of sight for me happen all the time. I can just open my eyes and see and then he'll start showing you your spiritual eyes start opening and then you actually see what they need. And this is kind of where we're at with Peter. 
Peter sees that this guy is asking for alms but needs healing. And he may have been broke that time, but I don't know. He just, I don't have this. I have this. And can I just get on a soapbox for like 30 seconds and we'll continue on? We can't complain as a church or as a follower of Jesus that we don't hear God's voice, but when we do, we choose disobedience. This is what I like to tell my youth. If you would just obey, he'll come through. If you would just be caught up in obedience and not about the results, you'll see them. We can't be like, God, can I hear your voice? And then he whispers and you're like, but I don't wanna do that. But he does. Like if we could be caught up in obedience and not disobedience, we would probably see more breakthrough. That is another uh, tangent, I, I apologize. But obedience creates consistency on my end and it heightens my spiritual ears to hear the, tr the true whisper from the Lord. This is what I, I, I'm trying to teach. If you have any parenting advice, come tell me. I'm trying to teach my kids. When you hear my voice, just obey it. I love when my kids ask why, but it's like, you're running towards the street. Why? No, just stop when you hear it. It's so funny that I want my kids to be so like, listen when you hear me, but do I do that with the Lord? That when I hear him, I would just stop. My plans would get put on pause and I would follow a simple prompting. You know, when we hear God's voice, it can be risky or scary sometimes. Some of the questions that I ask myself to this day is, is this my voice? Is this the enemy's voice? Or is this God's voice? And so in my quest of being disobedient for most of my life, <laughs> I decided to get three questions that I ask myself to help in obedience. And you know, when you come from a Jesus-centered community that's built on following the promptings like this house, it really empowers you to do that in your everyday life. Like I can honestly stand here as someone who attended before I worked here and say all the people you see preaching and on staff, they really do what they say. It's actually a really big blessing. But these are the three questions that I ask myself quickly and eternal, in, internally so I can be like, okay, which voice is this? Number one is this. Will this leading, will this lead someone closer to Jesus? The enemy's not gonna do that and my flesh show ain't gonna do that, so it's gotta be Jesus. Number two is this. Will I feel closer to Jesus? Jesus says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. So if I'm closer to Jesus, we're getting there. And the last one is this, will Jesus be glorified? Those are three simple questions that you can ask yourself. Because if you can't get past the first one, don't ask the second one. Don't ask the third one. If someone's not coming closer to Jesus, like prophetic words of correction and stuff will lead someone close to Jesus if they're actually correction words. But when you're like, hey, like, Sorry, I just, does anyone have a, uh, like a rib issue right now? Like a rib hurting? Udi right here? Would you stand up for me? Are you in pain right now? What, out of 10, what would it be? A five? Um, those of you around her, can you just stretch your hand forth? Yeah, Holy Spirit right now, 
I command that annoying pain that feels like a sting in your side to leave in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, I thank you for seeing her. I thank you for her being known by you right now. So in the name of Jesus, pain, I command you to leave her body in Jesus' name. Would you check it for me? Did it go up, down, left, right? It went down? Where are we at right now? At a two, let's pray again. Jesus prayed a couple times, I can pray 100. In the name of Jesus, pain, go from a two to a zero right now in Jesus' name. The Holy Spirit is all over you right now. I don't even know your name, but if you have kids, your kids are serving Jesus because of your yes. So right now, we just break that pain in Jesus' name. All right, would you check it for me? How are we? We're at a one? Can we all pray one more time? Come on, we're gonna do, we're gonna do one more time. All right, I just want you to stand there. Holy Spirit, would you just release your presence on her? I thank you, Lord, that you are the God who sees and that you're speaking right now. In Jesus' name, we command that pain to leave. Any tightness, we command you to loosen in Jesus' name. All right, would you check it for me one more time? Don't throw your back out doing it. It's gone? Come on, Jesus. But what I love about this series that we're in is it's teaching us to hear God's voice in multiple ways, and this is what I love about him. We don't have to pick which, which way we wanna hear him. We can hear him in all ways, as long as there's obedience. Obedience will help reading the scriptures daily, praying daily, worshiping not just on a Sunday um, is needed. So we have to get ourselves in a Jesus-centered community to be known, to be seen, whether that's revolution, our youth ministry, or alive, our college, or 50s plus, or a small group. This is like the 120 waiting for the presence. I need you to go find a 12 or a three. Get plugged in so they can walk with you through life. See, sometimes God speaks to others for us, but sometimes he speaks to us for others. We have to start putting an expression with our impressions because you get them more than you think. Worship team, you can come out or come up or come from the rafters, wherever we are. I just want one time Kyle to come down with his guitar and be like, but Kyle, if you're watching, come on, bro, we can make it happen. Um, But I wanna tell you this story really quickly because we've gone so far over time. Ethan, you can use whatever you want out of ministry. Um, In October 2017, this is uh, an amazing story. Sorry, I'm trying to get emotionally, you know, rooted. Oh, God, we almost fell. Um, In October 2017, a young couple came to this church, this Urbana location, to hide. They were in pain, they were hurting, they were broken. They came here to hide and not to be seen. Much like Hap talked about pain last week, they didn't feel like they were being carried, they just felt like there was just pain. Leo Winger was preaching a message on plunging into your promise, and the last thing this couple wanted to hear was about destiny or promise. It felt exhausting to hear that. They gave a call, much like we do every service, to come up to the front and receive ministry time. So they start walking up, and the husband begrudgingly and disgruntledly says, whatever, and the wife is like, we need this. So the couple walk up to the front, and as they get closer, the husband's out happened. The line was long. Oh man, so we should start turning around and walking away. 
So as they take one to two steps away, a man reaches out and says, hey, how can I pray with you? Couple says, I just need, we need encouragement, and that's all they say. The man begins to pray. All of a sudden, he gets a prompting called a word of knowledge, and the couple breaks down and starts to weep. He begins to prophesy over them. The presence of the Lord was there to heal years of pain in one prayer. After this powerful prayer, the couple goes, what is your name? And he goes, oh, my bad. Turns his name badge around and says, hi, my name is Mike Yoder, and I am one of the executive pastors here. And that's actually how Kirsten and I came to the Vineyard Church. We encountered a Jesus-centered community and found a man worth, that would follow a prompting. You see, I'm not who I was five years ago. My wife's not who she was five years ago. My family is not who we were five years ago. We took both feet and jumped in to a Jesus-centered community. Some of us have one feet in and one feet out. That doesn't work. We took both our feet, jumped in to a community who loved Jesus, made him the center, and would follow promptings for random people. Verse eight, it says this, and leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, leaping and praising God. You see, when we follow promptings, we can invite people into a Jesus-centered community. This man left everything to go follow Jesus, to go pray, to go worship. Would you stand? Would you just turn your affection onto Jesus right now? Just close your eyes, put your heart towards him. Holy Spirit, right now, we thank you for who you are. We love you, we honor you, Lord, we bless you. We thank you in Jesus' name.